Welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast. Straight talking ideas to grow your business. Hello and welcome to the Simplified Marketing Podcast, Grow Your Trade, the show that aims to help you grow your business. You can find out more about the show at marketingsimplified.co.uk. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can do at hello at marketingsimplified.co.uk. Don't forget as well, you can listen to us on um, Google Podcasts, also on Apple iTunes and a multitude of other places. Now, as always, my name's John Lawley and I'm your web wizard. I'm Georgia and I'm your brand guardian. And my name's Andrew Black and I help get you off the tools. The conversation today is going to be all about bad customers. We all get them. Um, We've all had to deal with them from time to time. But do you have a strategy in place to stop that? And how do you say no to different uh, work that's coming in? But I suppose the first question is, Georgia, um, how do you know if this prospect sat in front of you when you're having this first you know, questionnaire and fact find about them, how do you know they're going to be a bad customer? Can you tell at that point? That's a very good question, John. And I'll be honest, I think it's completely different for every business and every kind of industry. If I take myself as an example, what I have learned over the years, and it did take me years to get to this point, is that actually when there's a first consultation, a first kind of chat, um, and you speak with a client and you give them some ideas, that's, that's all fab. You, you know that it's, sometimes it's a bit overloading. You know they want to take that away, have a little think, maybe speak with them, some other people in the business and come back to you with maybe a few more questions, which is not a problem. But when we are still at that beginning point and you're having to have five, six meetings where you feel you're actually going over the same thing, well, you need to look at yourself, which is what I did first of all, and I'm thinking, right, you know what, I'm, I mustn't be clear in what I'm saying or I need to be reviewing how I'm putting this information across to the client. But after I started to refine that, and most new clients that I'd then be asking was still clear, they said, yes, yes, yes. And then we get the client that they just keep wanting to take conversation space where there's no decision-making. I found that for me, those are then the most challenging clients. Because um, I work really quickly and um, you know I want to get action in place straight away that a lot of conversations that go over the same thing, uh, it just wastes time for the client as well because we're losing out on getting the results um so it's kind of that's normally a little bit of a red flag for me in the beginning part but that probably may be very different for different industries so Angie for example is in a very different industry to us John I don't know how you kind of gauge a few red flags in the beginning from a trade perspective well I suppose a lot of the time if people have been referred to you hopefully you're kind of marketing system that you have in place is, is a good referral and a close referral rather than someone that sort of found you online and that's not to say they're not good referrals it's just a warm introduction always kind of helps so you, you try and be a little bit more patient engage their experience with dealing with trades in the first place because I always hold the mindset that as a tradesperson we're sort of starting from a minus 10 position because everyone's got just a nightmare story about it so you really do try and be patient but at the same time, being patient means also being professional. So if your terms and conditions and so on are set up on your website and once you had the opportunity to quote, you've had the follow-up phone call to go through any of the, the problems or issues or so on and so forth they might have, the, the kind of red flags for me at that point are backwards and forwards. We don't know. We've got another three quotes to pick up and kind of talking around price all the time. You know, I'll go to them and say, look, if you want to show me your comparison quotes, um, we can discuss price because I'll, you know, see if they're actually like for like or if you're just trying to kind of beat me down on price. And I'm 
I'm normally very straight with customers at that point. We always charge 50% of materials on the larger jobs because it means that if there was a problem with the customer, and let's be honest, we don't really have any due diligence as tradespeople on customers. They can check our ratings on Facebook, Google, Check Trade, Trust Trade, a gas safe French store, or wherever else. But we don't have that as kind of tradespeople's company. So we always make sure that we're protected with our terms and conditions and always make sure we're protected by taking a deposit up front. But at that point of sort of questioning or that point where it comes to get that 50%, if there's any real delay in terms of my own internal follow-up process, they're not going to be a number one. They're going to be a sort of number three for me in terms of following up. Yeah. I mean, did you ever find that? I mean, both of you really, because both of you made really good points there about people wanting to talk and talk and not making a decision and not getting to it. Do you almost feel like, and I've had this in the past, I know that people just call up and they just want to get your opinion on something and they just want to find out more information. So they're just taking up your time, basically. And then once they actually do get to the nitty gritty and actually get a quote written out, are they then just taking that away and going to the person that they spoke first time just to try and get a discount from you? I've had exactly that, John. But you know what? I've blamed myself in some of that and I've changed my process. So when I was doing... Um, marketing proposals for some clients I actually did uncover that though they paid me to do the ideas and what I thought was going to be the start of a really long fantastic relationship and they had then got somebody else to take all the ideas that I'd given them that they they paid me for that I guess I imagined we'd be working together as as an agency and they were either doing it in-house or they gave it to another marketing company who were a lot cheaper, uh, but they weren't executing it in the way that I had planned anyway. So it was, it did fall short. They didn't get the result they should have done. But do you know what? I actually didn't blame the, the customer necessarily on that. I, I had to look at my own business and I think, right, do you know what? This client is getting all this value from me um, and they've then just taken it and gone elsewhere. I need to look at how to safeguard my intellectual property a lot more and change my process so that I can make sure I'm giving value to the clients that work with us and not just the ones that see us more temporary. Yeah, you you must you must get that all the time as well, Andrew. I mean, working in trades, everyone's, if everyone's going out and getting at least three quotes for things, is that the norm? Yeah, generally that's the norm. And because there's a lot of the, you know, if I keep it specifically on heating, for example, there's a there's a lot of large companies that are seemingly all internet based now with the same kind of pay per click model that generate your quotes online. Some then have a follow up sales guy, some don't. And some you never meet the company because it's a subcontractor network as well. And those are purely done on price. And on some occasions, sole traders can kind of still um, compete with those prices. But sole traders are in it to gain a customer for life because the overall customer value isn't just that boiler install. It's the servicing every year and it's the uh, family and friends introductions and neighbours introductions, for example. So when it's on price, it's really difficult because as a company, you know what your core values are and you know what your standards are. And for example, if you fit a kind of more high-end boiler with a 10 to 12-year warranty and the other companies blindly gone in at a five-year less valued boiler, but their websites all singing and all dancing that's where we as smaller companies can lose out so where that interaction comes with the customer of question backwards and forwards and asking your opinion is never really asking your opinion it's just to confirm what they need to be confirmed and really at that point you know you've got to take your own customer service so far because 
you'll know from your own experience if it's a person just trying to waste your time or if it's a person genuinely unsure being in this marketplace and needs guidance and reassurance. And this is where things like kind of YouTube and some of the Facebook forums are actually quite useful and friendly and easy to kind of send links across so people can do their own um, investigation without you kind of pointing them down your own sort of route of thinking, if you like, without selling your own opinion too much. That's, yeah, that's a really, really good point, I think. And, and I did, in, in a way, you know, from learning from that, I've actually put in a, a in a kind of a strategy, I suppose, in one way to try and wheedle different people out. So if I know that an inquiry has come from a certain place, the first question I might ask them is, or you know, if, if they spring it up first, you know, that's great. Price. You know, we start out with this and giving people a rough estimate to begin with. You know, you've got three packages there. That's what we start out with. Can you afford any of those? No, okay, that's fine. Um, there's other people I can refer you to and on off you go. And that's then not wasted my time. It's not wasted their time. But one of the big things I, th- you know, I learned from you, Georgia, I think as well, is using video. And instead of having, you know, writing out that huge long email or different bits and pieces, explaining your proposition to them, recording a short video, they actually get to listen to your voice, the way that you're talking about it. They can see things on screen. I find that gets a message across so much, so much better or in a better way and actually then cuts down the, the amount of information they have to then consume. And save time for you. And actually, I noticed that from using video, um, my conversions went up massively because I was appealing to especially with my target audience being the trade I'm renowned for my dissertations guys I can write emails that are 100 million words long and that is not really trades do not have time to be sitting and reading my lengthy emails actually when I've made a video where I'm speaking through stuff and I'm showing on screen explaining a few bits that makes it crystal clear and breaks it down to be bite-sized it's actually meant that I've had more fruitful conversations with them straight after and I mean, that was a really good idea. I get what you mean now with that. And we're able to move along in the sales process so much quicker as well. Because it's a massive cost, isn't it? If you onboard a bad client for you, it's not just, you know, it's, it's the headspace that they take up because you're having to solve a problem and you're having to think through it more. It's the time it takes, it's the resources you've got to put into it. It also then saps your own energy and it, it stops you progressing as a business. So, you know, when, when was the last bad client you had, Andrew? You don't have to name any names, of course. <laughs> Might in Georgia. He went and did my flat a couple of weeks ago. I knew he wasn't happy. <laughs> you know what? It's it's really tricky. I suppose many many on the on the tool side of the business. Um, and a lot of time the, the biggest warning signs are people that need you all of a sudden tomorrow for quite a big job. Yeah, that normally screams that the last person's walked off the job, or that they've sacked them, or there's been some sort of problem or issue. Um, and I, I regret taking one on just after Christmas, but it just so happened that I had nothing the next day. And again, it was a referral for someone I knew. And so the reliability box had been ticked. Right. Um, but there's a couple of loose ends that I need to tie up on that job still now as we move into February 2021. Um, and on the off the tool side of stuff, on the coaching stuff, it's really weird because by the time people get to the inquiry stage, they've normally had some kind of mental epiphany or breakdown. So they're at a kind of point where they really need help, really need support. And sometimes the most difficult thing as a, as a business owner and, and often, sorry to stereotype, but often the most difficult thing as, a, as another man in a trades business is to ask another man for advice or for help. And there's a lot of bravery in the, and the younger generations are getting much better and better at it. But some of the old school guys still, if they just kind of stuck their hand out and said, look, mate, can you help me with this? They'll see that there's so many more people that are there to kind of help. And so on that side of things, the, the, the process of getting the right type of person in is already done for me. 
because by the time they get to me, they're, they're ready to move things forward. Whether it's a short-term or long-term thing, that's completely kind of separate, but they're always ready on that side of things. Yes, and I guess as well, as part of your marketing funnel, if you're using something like networking, a warm referral from someone you know or you know someone you've, who you've helped in the past is always going to be a better recommendation and lead to better work than someone who just comes out of the blue. You'd often hope so. Yeah, definitely. And you know, speaking to a couple of the other guys and guys that we've had on the podcast before, I know now you know whilst they are kind of they have a social media presence for example uh, and you know a, a very decent website they only want introductions through networking connections because they're first hand and they just don't want the hassle and the fuss of of the the chasing or as you said the kind of the loss of mental headspace or taking those problems home with you as you get more along in the tooth in business and more experienced those are the things that are more important. Can you turn your head your, your head off at sort of you know five o'clock, six o'clock, whenever home time is? Can you turn the computer off? Are you not worried about things? How much of value is that worth to you and your family? You talked a bit there, Andrew, and and this is something that I've I've had a lot, and I'm sure that the two of you have. And let's go into it. So when you're cleaning up someone else's mess. So, for example, my favorite phone call is, oh, um, we started our website with this guy. It's taken us about six months um, and we're getting nowhere. We'd like to bin them off and like you to sort everything out. However, our, you know, they've, they've taken up most of our budget. So we've only got this enough to pay. How, what do you do in that situation? Is that like a definite no? Or do you want to come to the rescue because there might be some more residual income in the future? Georgia, you must have had that situation. I have had that. And I think you gauge it. Each instance is different. And yeah, you, you need to look at the person, the business, everything they have at the time. Um, but yeah, the thing is, I'm not one to just knocking my prices down because someone has asked me. I'm about actually loyalty. And I want to help the clients that have helped me throughout the years. And, and I don't know, in our Greek community, for example, we're kind of renowned of getting on the phone and asking straight away, what's the best price? What bargain are you going to give me? But actually, like the way I run my business is, well, through loyalty and through years of working together, I'll be able to help with those things. But um, I'd be before, there's no solid answer to that question from my perspective. I'd want to get to know the person and see the business as a whole. And interestingly, off the back of what Andrew was just saying and yourself about sort of mental space, I've made a concrete decision that this year I'm going to be listening more to my gut. And actually, even last week, I've turned away a client because um, I know our energies just don't match. And my focus this year is having on much clearer mental space and working with people that I really enjoy working with um, and people that I feel may I can't add as much value to because our energies don't meet very well and we spend maybe too much time disagreeing on on a lot of stuff um that maybe i'm not the best person for them so they they would be better place to go and like you john i'll recommend them and someone that i feel will be better but that's a big focus for me this year it's it's not always about the money like your mental space is so important yes i think we've all found that haven't we yeah definitely but andrew you must have swooped to the rescue a number of times both on the tools and off the tools yeah unfortunately myself and i know one of my clients has got that sort of built in that you just want to do nice things for people and help out and save the day but my kind of textbook answer would be if if you inherit a job and 60% of it is done and there's literally they want you to complete the remaining 40% for not enough money 
well, you're either going to do it at a loss because materials have a cost and subcontractors or your cost of sales is a fixed cost. So you're eating into your direct profit margin. And the only other time I would kind of advise eating into your own profit margin and not making a loss, but making not as much on a job would be if there's just a solid introduction, someone you know from before, and they've already got another project for you to look at where you can potentially make up your money on the next one. That would be my business advice on it. But ultimately, you know, these all these conversations as lovely as they are, always, of course, cross over into to your heart, soul, mind, how it feels and so on and so forth. And you'll know from this person if they're trying to pull a fast one over you or they're just genuinely stuck. And at that point there, that's that's where your own personal core values sort of mix, of course, with your own business core values. And and yes, I have been known to save the day once or twice, and it does make me feel... <laughs> <laughs> He's a hero. Heroes on hand. It's, yeah, it's all in the brand, isn't it? It's in the brand name. But uh, how do you say no? As well, this is an interesting question. How do you say no? Is it is it you know? Is it go back to the old dating days of it's not you, it's me, <laughs> or is it kind of a case of no, you're weird, you're gonna you're gonna be a lot of heartache. We're finding out when the last time John actually went dating now. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a long, long time, mate. It's almost coming up to fortieth here now. Oh my god! But yeah, how do you, how do you say no? How do you say no? I think that's a bit of a skill set in itself. And do you know what? That took me years to cry and kind of master as well. And the the one that seems to work the best nowadays is is that maybe I, I don't feel we're the right company for you, but not just leaving it there, passing them on to someone else and, and saying the why. You know what, this person, their, their style, I think is more in line with what you're looking for. But, you know, even within, when inquiries are coming in, kind of like our, our networking groups, I use that as I'm interviewing the client as well. And actually, like, like you said, even if budgets are right, the jobs are right, if the person's not right, and I don't feel that um, we're going to be able to have a long-lasting relationship just from maybe the vibes I get, then um, I will be saying, no, maybe I don't feel we are the company for you because of, and obviously delicately saying certain things, but maybe we work at different speeds. Maybe actually our values are quite different in what we're trying to do here or your brand actually doesn't align with the kind of work that I'm trying to do um, and help in, in my own company. Um, this person may be better for you for that. Um, so I think it's still about being helpful. And, and not just leaving someone high and dry because they have come to you that you've either been recommended, they found you somewhere, they're taking time out their their day to try and see if you're the right fit for them. So to make sure that it's all rounded off in a good way, I think is really important because that's part of your own brand as well. That's a really good point. So Andrew, no horse's head in someone's bed then to scare them off. <laughs> No, to answer this question from a trades business perspective, how do you say no? I think what Georgia mentioned there is absolutely spot on. Um, if you can't solve the problem for them, maybe you physically don't have time or availability, which is the easiest one to kind of fall back on. But if you can solve the problem for them, then it will only look good on your brand. The other thing I'll say to people is, look, it, it becomes an experiencing thing, experience thing and reinforcing your own worth. And the longer you're in whatever trade it is that you do, the better you become at it. And they've come to you as the expert. You've probably got tens, 30, 100 testimonials saying how good you are, your company is at what you do. And that's for a legitimate reason. So 
sometimes you've got to take a little while just to sort of reinforce how good you are. And if you are that good, you'll have no difficulty in saying no and explaining that you're not able to do it because of time, because of availability, because there simply isn't enough money in the job, because the previous builders misquoted you and that's why they've left the job. And unfortunately, I'm not in a position to pick it up. However, I can solve the problem in this way, this way or this way or at this time schedule. I think most people, as long as they have a choice, you can still say no and give them a choice and put it back in their hands. That's a really good point. Yeah. Don't, from from working in an agency world, um, definitely make it someone else's choice. Don't make it, don't, yeah, don't, don't say no. Make it their choice and give them the option. <laughs> Either to make it too expensive, <laughs> make sure you don't have the right time or, you know, like George says, we're not really right for you, are we? Or do you think we're actually right for each other? Give them the opportunity to say no, maybe. Hope you're going. So there you go. Stick with your values, everyone. And uh, thank you very much for uh, for listening to the show. Uh, make sure you're subscribing and uh, we'll catch you next time. That's all for this time. But don't worry, we'll be back with more soon. Stay tuned for new episodes at marketingsimplified.co.uk.